Hi, everybody. And this, welcome. Oh my God, I'm so tired. I don't even know where I am. Welcome to That's Life, <laughs> the show where we've been up since 3.30 in the morning, and I think you can hear it in my voice. Good afternoon, everybody. <sighs> Thanks for listening. Oh my God, I'm so out of breath from being on the air for two hours. I don't know how Nahum does this every single day for three hours, but that's why he is the man. Good afternoon, folks. Thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nahum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. Still beautiful here, Stan. I'm going to find you that CD case. I know what you're looking for. I'm going to find it for you. I can't find it for you right now. Anyway, coming to you from the beautiful Lower East Side. Avrami is off for Hanukkah, enjoying the Chag in Baltimore. So I'm joined by Stan. Hi, Stan. How you doing? How's it going? Excellent. Yeah, by the way, you know, we should we should hope a little bit that Avrami's not listening today because I'm about to announce that we had lunch during the live lunch. And you know, <laughs> that doesn't happen that often. And no, no, no. Forget it. He complains about it all the time. And Avram, I'm really, really sorry. It's just the way it worked out today that we actually had sushi that was brought to us this morning while we were um, live from the Young Israel of Woodmere. It was a platter that was donated or brought to us by our good friends at Stop, Chop, and Roll in Cedarhurst. And uh, we had some leftovers because nobody was really eating that much sushi so early in the morning. So I brought it to the studio. I'm sorry, Rami. I know. I have to make it up to you. You complain about it all the time that every single time there's food for a live lunch, you're not here. And I have to tell you, you're right. Anyway, if you are a new listener to the show, thanks for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making me part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you. Do what Daniel Rothner does. You can visit me on my blog at DearThat'sLife.com. Friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email at Miriam at DearThat'sLife.com or Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. We have rules. And as Stan said to me at the just around 12 o'clock when he saw me obsessed with my BlackBerry and working on my iPad and checking my computer, he's like, so there is a really good reason why you're not allowed to check your email on the air. And I said, oh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So I'm not going to be checking my email um, on the air. At least I will try and avoid it, but I will get back to you afterwards. Now, we also made mention during the live lunch that I subbed in for Nahum that we have rules about the fortune cookies. If the cookie is broken before the wrapper is open, that's right. It's no good. It is a foul, shall we say. There's no play on the fortune. So this one is out and this one is out. But Stan, I found two whole ones. This little crumb in the bottom, that, don't count. that doesn't count. That's right. Okay, so I'm going to do this one because you know what this means. It's time for our favorite segment. Here we go. Shh. I know. I've almost, you know, this is the time I always feel like I should bring that drum roll. Yeah, 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 I yeah, know, yeah. but I have it on my iPad. You know, oh no, this one's broken. Oh. oh. So close yet so far. All right, one second. All right, let's try this one. No, this one's good. All right, let's go. You know, I probably should stop doing that. That probably breaks that the breaks cookie, them. doesn't it? Yeah. 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 All right, I'm not so smart. No, 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 this one's intact. Folks, this one is intact. I know. You know what? There are people around the world who are waiting like for they're this. They're waiting. I know, yeah. I know. All right, here we go. There are crumbs all over the place. I'm going to have to vacuum when the show is over. Here we go. Time and patience are called for. Many surprises await you. Hey, I'm all for this one because, folks, it's Hanukkah, and I am so about the good surprises on Hanukkah. Honey, no, I actually know that. <laughs> I um, I, I think that I'm pretty sure I know what's waiting for me when I get home, and it may actually be 
a working cell phone, which is, I know that's nice. Now, Stan, I'm not sure that people know that you don't have a cell phone. I don't. I don't. I know. I know. And I don't have a computer either. All right. You know what? <laughs> and I just now found people out. think we're lying. And I just found out about the peanut butter thing. I know. Stan just found out today, by the way, that for those of you who didn't hear me during the live lunch and missed this unbelievable piece of radio <laughs> that people, <laughs> you didn't, if you didn't hear it yourself, you're not going to believe me. But Stan just found out that you can't bring peanut butter to school. I know. Do you know that? I did not know that. What? There you go. There you go. What is going there on go. here? That was Jesse Blonder, by the way. Jesse, you're going to wait. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about this during your segment. I don't know how this is possible. This is, all right. I'm like, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. For those of you who don't know that reference, please Google it or ask a Wallach child. Anyway, let's take care of some business. Here are today's national holidays. It is Pick a Pathologist Pal Day. I, I don't have any friends who are pathologists, and um. I don't know how to make them my friends, so I'm not sure what to do about that. It's also ice cream day. Ah, not bad. Not bad. So that's pretty good. It's violin day. All right, not bad. Also, not thinking about taking up the violin, but, you know, I'll play some Yitzhak Perlman if you if you want. It's Human Rights Week. That's a good one. That's always a good one. But, again, I don't know why we have to highlight it for a week. Shouldn't that's we? True. Right, okay. But here's the most important one that we already celebrated during the live lunch. You didn't even know it. It's National Hot Cocoa Day. Oh, I know, genius. All right, stop checking outside. Because it's so nice out. It's not a hot cocoa kind of day. I know, but really, it doesn't have to be cold outside to, to you You're know right. what I'm saying? You're right. It's, it's a little, it's not like iced coffee. Iced coffee right. has to be hot outside. You're right. You're right. Right. But hot cocoa, it transcends. It's one of those things. So, um, by the way, I was this close to buying whipped creaming and putting it in the fridge here and just having it with my hot cocoa, but I really thought Nahum would kill me because... I think he thinks, you know, between the lip gloss I keep in the studio and the other stuff I keep around here, I think he thinks I'm making myself too comfortable. Anyway, uh, Crazy follows me everywhere. Everyone knows that. And um, that is <laughs> that was unbelievably true about a week and a half ago um, in my kitchen. As always, it always happens in my house because that's where the crazies live with me in my house. My son, who is just around uh, six years old, was setting the table on Shabbos morning. Now, as people know, you cannot use the same fork for meat and for fish at the table. So you have to switch forks. So when you set the table on Shabbos, you, if you're having fish as your first course and meat as your second course, you put down two forks. Now, I haven't eaten meat in 23 years, and so I only put down one fork for myself. But meanwhile, he was setting the table. So I said to him, do me a favor and make sure. I said, only give me one fork. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm not having chicken. So he said, why? And I said, because I don't eat chicken. I'm looking at him like he's got six heads. I said, because I don't eat chicken. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat chicken. I don't eat meat. And he looks at me and goes, what? And I said, seriously, I don't eat chicken. And he looks at me and goes, since when? <laughs> I said, since when? For about 23 years now, since when? Like before you, you know, became on this planet, since when? So he looks at me and goes, I've seen you eat meat. I'm like, no, you have not. And he's looking at me with a dead, straight-on face. He goes, uh-huh, I've seen you eat meat. I'm like, seriously, I'm not having this conversation with you. And he stormed out of the room as if I was the one who was crazy. This is just to prove that just when you think your kids are really paying attention, the most obvious things seem not to matter. Anyway, you are listening to That's Life, live from the home office of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. I'm Miriam L. Wallach here on the stream at NahumSiegel.com. And it is time to welcome my first guest. Jesse Blonder is the director of the Center for Kosher 
Culinary Arts. By the way, somebody might want to think about shortening that name, even though <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to welcome you to the show, not only because you guys have a great new program I can't wait to hear about, but also because I've been to your place of work. Yes, and this, you have. <laughs> and this is your first time coming to my place of work, so thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you very much. You guys been busy there? Uh, we've been we've been very busy actually because number one we we get a lot of gift certificate requests a lot mm. of gift certificates for Hanukkah of course that's a good gift it's an excellent gift um, and also because we have our date night series on Motzei Shabbos and now is Motzei Shabbos season right and so we have it every Saturday night we have couples come down for a cooking class either a couples competition which they compete against each other and or just a regular cooking class date night uh, regular menu. And we're always booked. People love this. This is a this is a big thing for us. That as we, as yeah. people who have done it, yeah. I've gone with You've my husband. Yeah. We and we've come with friends. It's a lot, a lot of fun. And by the way, just so that yeah. people know, in case they don't, I mean, you guys are definitely more recognized, obviously, and and more. Um, I should say, well known since you've yeah. been been around for how been many around, years? Now? We've been around actually about five years. Now. I was about to say four years, five years, five years, two thousand and seven. Son so of a gun! Do the math. I think it's about five. I don't want to do the math, but I'll t- <laughs> I'll take your word for it. That's pretty impressive. So Thank when you, you so you started and it's still lo- it's still located at the top of Happy Home on right, Coney upstairs. Island Avenue, right? Right in Brooklyn. Yep. Right in Flatbush, the yep. heart of Flatbush. It's very hard. It's a great right. location. Yes, and it's also. Um, Unbeknownst to people as to what's going on upstairs. Um, sometimes, you know, we have we share an entrance with the store, but we're about to get our own entrance. Actually, mm. finally, after five years, we decided it's time for our own entrance. How but, are you doing that? Just uh, well, cutting we away have, the, you're cutting just, away the staircase. Yeah, we're we're making a little. Uh, we have a little door on the side that was for deliveries, but now we're making it our own place. Nice. Yes, but we are. We've been there for five years, and the funny thing is that. We're in Flatbush, and there's people who like literally live around the corner and don't know about us. But at the same time, we have people who travel to the school from all over the world to take wow. some of our classes. So we'll have somebody come in from Chile, or the United Kingdom, or Florida, or California, and then uh, you know someone who lives down the block has never even heard of us. That's so. Go figure. Yeah, I was about to say that's classic. You know, just the word of mouth only reaches to certain people, and all of a sudden, exactly. It stops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess if you're looking for us, you find us. Right. We're the only kosher cooking school in the United States and one of, I believe, only two in the world. Wow. So if you're looking for us, if you go on Google and you put in kosher cooking school, we're number one. I was about to say, you pop up. Exactly. But if, are you going to stumble upon us? A lot of people are Brooklyn phobic, so probably not. <laughs> but like you, most of the people who come to a lot of, not that we love our Brooklyn people, but right. a lot of people who come are from Long Island, New Jersey, Riverdale, you name it. Communities outside of Brooklyn, outside of New York, who generally do not like to come into Brooklyn because they think it's a crazy place, which it is, <laughs> but still make it in because we have something that I guess is unique and that people want to travel for. Oh, I would certainly say it's unique and people yeah. want to travel for it. So then I guess it begets the first question, which yes. is who decided to start it and who realized that this need existed? Okay, so uh, let's let's go back in time to 2007. I used to work at another cooking school here in the city, the new school, and we As used it, to live on 11th, by the way. Okay, so you, so were, the, you were very next close. Next door. Yeah. Next door, yep. So I was working as a cook. I was working at some cooking schools, and I happened upon a listing on Craigslist, of all places, put out by my now current partner, Elka Pinson, whose uh, husband owns the store downstairs, Happy Home. And they had some classes going on upstairs, and they wanted to do something more. They wanted to offer a full-time school where people could come, take classes in all different subjects, 
And so we met and we started talking and we, gradually we put it together. And very quickly we realized that there was a need not only for classes for people who want to have a good time, but for people who wanted to train to be chefs, mm. people who wanted to train to be pastry chefs, bakers, caterers. And so in 2008, we started offering our professional training programs. And that's really the core of what we do now. Because if you keep kosher and you want to be a chef or you have aspirations of being in the food business, uh, you don't have many, well, you didn't have many options before. You could go to a non-kosher cooking school and not taste the food. Right. Which is very difficult. Right, I was about to say, you know, I still can't figure out how Dangerous. people do that. Right. right. And people do, and people were doing it. But now, thankfully, there's a better option, and that's coming to us. We we have programs. We have, we have resources. We have a network where people can come to us, and we can train them, and then we can help them to find work. And how do you become really accredited to do this? I mean, is it do you become? Is that the way it works? How do I like? How does to be a chef? No, I'm saying as for a school to start as your school and to put a name out there for yourself, so that once when, when a chef who's yeah. been trained by you goes to get a job, they say, "Well, oh, I've been to you know the yeah. center, and oh, you've been to the center." Do you well, know what I'm saying? The proof, is, I guess, the proof is in the pudding. No, you know, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> basically, based on our our reputation, based on right. the, the credentials of our chefs. Based on what we do, and we do spend a lot of our time reaching out to employers. Like, I, I believe I saw you at Kosher Fest. Yes. Yeah. We had a, did you enjoy Kosher Fest? I always have fun at Kosher Fest. Were you exhausted? I'm always exhausted after <laughs> Kosher Fest and full, but it's a good time. We've been exhibiting there for, gosh, I think four years, and we run a competition there now. Oh, really? And the reason why we go there, not so much to meet students, but to show employers, hey, listen, if you run a restaurant, if you ever, you're a caterer, you're a manufacturer, we have stu we have people who we train to be in this business. And that really is has become what we offer. Beyond the education, we offer the resources and the networking for people mm -hmm. who want to be in the business. So, so, so wait a minute. So tell me about the competition at Kosher Fest, which, by the way, is not at all what we're supposed to be talking <laughs> about today. And we will get to what we're talking about. Okay. So for the second year in a row, we organized a live full-on cooking competition cool. much based kind of like the show chopped where oh we recruit last year and this year we recruited three chefs okay. chefs of caliber chefs of caliber kosher establishments this year we had the chef from ladino we had the chef from Everyone's uh gemstone about catering ladino. yeah they're, they're doing pretty well up there and we had the chef that's in livingston right uh which one ladino. Gems ladino is in the city oh ladino in the city oh i'm yeah. sorry I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking of Fumio, which Fumio. is. Fumio. But I will tell you, I've been to Ladino twice. Okay. I can't get enough of that place. Well, the chef from Ladino actually won the competition this year. He should. He's awesome. He did a great job. <laughs> it's. And, I love that place. Yeah, the competition's a lot of fun because we set up this this kitchen in the middle of the show. Very cool. And people get to see what you know. Hey, listen, there's guys in this business and and girls. There's people in this business who know how to cook. And right. they're doing really cool things, and that's what we wanted to exhibit. What were the What were the ingredients, by the way? That oh, day? okay. So if if chopped, so for people who don't know how chopped works, right, right, you get a basket of strange of of different ingredients, funky ingredients, right. Uh, we try to keep it semi funky. We don't want to throw anyone off too much. But we had, let's see, we had artichokes. We had a jar of mango pickles. We had something called mango pickles. Mango pickles. It's um. It's I don't even understand. Is it's a pickled mango in like a almost like a very heavily spiced curry. I don't know what you call it. Okay. 
pickle juice of sorts. Okay, <laughs> Fun- that is funky up there. That's yeah, funky. And then you had we gave them a bag of gluten free what they call miracle noodles, which is uh, I tasted those. You know those? I did. I what tasted do you think those. of them? You know what? If um, it's it's more than just an oh, it's an option. Do you know what I'm saying? It was pretty. It was, it was good. Yeah. it had taste. It yeah. was it was it was pretty decent. We were we were trying to throw them off, but also it's kind of a blank canvas. Well, you I was can about do to say. You want I was about it. to say it's pretty pretty much a tabula rasa. Like exactly. you can really do whatever you want with it. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think we also had some fresh tuna in the basket. Nice. It was kind of a Mediterranean. Thing. Right, with the pickled mango and everything right. like that. I hear and, that. And that's the same concept we do for our date night couples competition night when we have. At the school, basically every couple gets a basket of secret ingredients, and they have 90 minutes to show us what they can do. When's that? That is nearly every Motsi Shabbos until March. Yeah. Oh. Every other week, I'd say we do it, and we also have our date night, um, date night winter feast where we go through a five course menu. Right. Well, I've done that one. You have. That's a lot of fun. But the competition. Yes. My, you know. We have a competitive. Yes, drink. I remember you guys there. <laughs> you guys were intense. Right, we we're competitive even when there's no competition going on. Exactly. <laughs> and I have a question. Yeah, I, no. I seem to remember. I didn't know you were a vegetarian. Yes, I, my husband I, wants to go to the butchering class. Yeah, I seem to remember you signing up for steak nights. So yes. I'm a little confused. Right, because he, I mean, all it's, all he wants to do is take a half an animal and learn how to hack it into tiny little pieces. We can teach him how to do that. Right, and the right. truth of the matter is, is that I, I think I would want to be there. So that I could watch it and understand it. Right. But since I wouldn't even dissect the the, the guinea pig in lab in Stern <laughs> right. when I was in college, I don't really see myself partaking. That's okay. You can watch. Right. I will watch. I will not partake and I will okay. not taste. Sure. But you should know that I make fleshics all the time at, in my house. I mean, my kids are the biggest carnivores. My husband is, you know. But you don't taste. Not a thing. Not even a pinky in the sauce. Nope. Not Amazing. a thing. Not a thing. So that should be a competition. Vegetarians who don't taste the food, and then we can see. That would be something. Right. That would definitely be something. I'd be very curious to test the results. I, it would be my pleasure. I can't tell you that I make a good chalant, because really, I have not had chalant in 23 years, at least a good meat chalant. Chalant, I think you can get away with. I want to see how you cook a steak. If you could cook a steak to the right degree of doneness without tasting it. Be my pleasure. What do you do? The poke test? I, 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 it's basically, well, I would say it's like a feel test, meaning like you can, I can also visualize, I can understand what the meat should look like on the outside so that I can appreciate what it would look like on the inside. Okay. I think that's my right answer. Plus, I never finish a steak on the grill. I always finish, finish it in, in the, the oven. oven. Okay. Yeah, always. Okay, it sounds like you know what you're doing. Yeah, I got game. I got game. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Blonder is joining us. He is the director of the Center for Kosher culinary arts and you are launching did you launch it yet or you're launching the new program we are launching the new program so let's hear about it because that's what brought you down here yes. even though you should have been down here earlier we should yeah. have done this earlier this is fun this is a lot of fun um and we should do a show by the way from the school i would love to do that oh my gosh we would have a blast with chef Sh- chef wiseman yes. chef abram wiseman right chef abram wiseman he he's also, one of our guys yep. he needs his own show he uh, he could definitely fill a show <laughs> Yeah. He's got a lot of charisma. He's, he's a great guy, he's great a, chef. He's a great guy and a very talented chef. And actually, yes. he gave me a couple of pointers when I when we were there the last time. That stuff I didn't pick up on, which yes. um, was very smart. But anyway, tell us about this new program okay. for men and, and then for, for women. Right. right. So we our classes have traditionally been of mixed gender. And right. last winter, we offered for the first time a men's only training program, an option for men's only, because there are people out there who don't feel comfortable, don't want to be in a class with mixed gender, which we understand. Right. And, you know, we have one main facility, so it's, it's almost, difficult by the way, not us. to interrupt, yeah. but it's almost like teaching math to only girls and only boys. You don't want somebody to, you know, you don't want girls 
to feel with all the information out there and all this stu- these studies out there about girls who don't want to ask questions in math class because the boys are going to make fun of them. Just, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people, they're, you know, traditionally they're not in school with, with the other genders. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they would want to continue that experience. And so, they still want to continue. They want to study this. Right. Exactly. Right. So we started with a men's only program that was last winter and it was successful. We had a, about a full group, guys from all over the area. Um, these, uh, it was offered at night, and we're doing a men's-only program again this uh, this winter. It's starting in January, a couple of nights a week. Great for guys who either currently work in the business or looking to get in the business but have another job. But for the first time, we are now also offering a ladies-only option. Unbelievable. Which is going to be two nights a week also, Sunday and Monday, easy nights for ladies. Right. And also for people who work or go to school, it starts at 630 and because we had a call for it. People were calling up and saying, I want to take the program, but I, I, need, a, I need a non-mixed gender class. And we said, okay. So the way we work, you know, we're a, some, still a pretty small business. If somebody says they want something and we have enough of a demand you for can make it, it happen. We, we try to make it happen. Right. So this January, we're launching it for the first time. We've already got people registered, and hopefully we'll have a nice size group. It's the same program that we offer regularly same great education great chefs and it's ideal for people who either are working in the business Mm -hmm. or want to get into the business the food service business right or maybe you just love to cook and you have a passion for it and you want to do it at home or you're thinking maybe you can do something down the road it's affordable enough that uh, you can take the program and not go broke but it's also it's also um it's not too much of a time demand that uh, it, it just it, it takes over your whole life. So what do people get at the end of the course? Well, I like to think the most, you know, the most, most of what they get is the education. Okay, that's, I'm that's saying the is there most. a certificate at the end? Yes. Of, okay. Yes, yes. It is a certificate Is there program. a gold star, Jesse? We give them a gold star oh, and God. a gold chef's knife of sorts. No, they, they get, I mean, the program, every student gets their own chef's knife. Cool. They get their own chef's uniform. It's a professional program, a professional atmosphere. Um, we have textbooks, we have workbooks, you get all the recipes that we wow. do. You get the education, and, and most importantly, I think you get the support of the school. I mean, when you become a student, you become like a member of our family. Mm. And whether you want to cook at home or you want to cook professionally, we're there to support you in whatever you want to do. And literally, there's not a day that goes by that we don't get calls or visits or emails from past students Asking us questions, saying hi, asking for support to find a new gig, whatever it is, because that's really a big component of what we offer. So you get the certificate, you get the education, hopefully become a much better cook, a much more informed cook. And of course, you get you get to be part of this um, culinary family. And and there's a lot of people on our side with a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge who can guide you with whatever you want to do. Where have some of your graduates gone? Uh, a lot of places. Uh, see, restaurants off the top of my head. We've had restaurants, uh, let's see, ETC Steakhouse, Prime Grill, um, uh, gosh, uh, uh, Basil Restaurant, <laughs> cool. uh, Pardis Restaurant. Oh, see, now you're speaking my language. Right. There's been a lot of restaurants, a lot of catering, um, a lot of institutional work, too. People don't realize everybody's... Everybody out there has to eat, right. whether you're going out to a restaurant or you're going to a wedding or even people who, the elderly, people who live in uh, assisted living homes or right. senior centers, people in schools, people in camps. So we have cooks who fill all of those roles. 
and each job has its different different demands and different things going on. So whether whatever you want to do in the food business, there's probably something out there for you, depending on your schedule. That's very cool. So what? Yes. So let's talk about some of the basics. By the way, if you're if you're just tuning in now, um, we are talking to Jesse Blonder, who is the director of the Center for Kosher Culinary Arts in Flatbush. CKCA for short. I don't know that that's for short. CKCA. CKCA. It only took me two seconds. It's short. <laughs> You're putting me in my place. That's totally fine <laughs> with me. So tell me something. What do the first couple yeah. of classes look like in this course? We start from the very the basics. Okay. So, so this is not a person. This is a person who's had interest and has, you know, let's say cooks, amateur, you know, is an amateur cook in their own home, et cetera, but has more than the average interest in just, you know, preparing a, a regular meal. Well, I'd say it's good for someone, even somebody who doesn't know that much, okay. because we really start at a place where you're not going to be lost. The okay. first, one of the first things we do, one of the biggest things we do is knife skills. Oh. Whether you cook at home. People don't know how important that is. They really don't. And right. people think it's silly, like, what, what do I need to learn how to use a knife? But oh, the, forget the, it. The, the fact is that if you know how to use a knife well, you're going to save yourself time. You're going to save yourself heartache Ugh. in the kitchen. You're going to save yourself some nicks on your fingers, too. Yeah. And by the way, you're going to learn how to properly hold the onion yes. so that you do not take off the tips of your fingers. The tips or your knuckles <laughs> or any other part. Or any other part. Yeah. Right. So there are knife skills. And then what's the next course? What's uh, the next class? From knife skills, we usually progress on to making stocks. A stock is a flavorful cooking liquid usually made from bones. Mm. We do a veal stock and we do a chicken stock. We also do a fish stock and a vegetable stock. And the reason why we do that early and why it's so important is because we take the stock and then we make soups with it and then right. we make sauces with it and we make all kinds of other things for it. It's really one of those building block components in the kitchen. So we start, you know, we teach you how to use the knife. We teach you how to make stocks. Then we're making soups. We're making salads. We're making classical sauces. We teach butchery. Yeah, so now this, of course, I yes. mean, I would be remiss. We well, wouldn't want to be that. You still you still have to learn how to cook for your family, right? Of course, but right? let's talk about the butchering. Okay. So the butchering yeah. course, whether it's, you know, just that one night course that you do as a specialty course. Right, the steak night. Right, steak night is basically exactly as I described it before. There's a half animal coming <laughs> on, well, on the big say, slab of table because I really I'd need- about a quarter of the animal. I don't even want to know what's <laughs> Heads and tails the good removed. quarter. Okay, so there's a quarter of, there's a massive- Piece of meat, massive piece of meat. Right, it's on the slab on the table. Right, it's a, a rib section. Okay, for, you know, for for those, you know, it's the the finest part of the animal of 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 the cattle that's available to us. Okay, that's where you get your rib steaks and your ribeye steaks and your cowboy steaks and all the things that they butcher down to look like other pieces of steak, which we really can't have. But it's the good stuff. It's the the fatty stuff. It's the flavorful cuts. The cuts that you can cook on a grill. The, cu the cuts that you could cook quickly, the cuts that people really love. Okay. And tell me, how long does that, that course take? I mean, is it a normal- Steak night? Yeah. A steak night's a three-hour class. Oh, it is that long. Uh, yeah, most of our, cl our recreational classes are about usually three hours. Sometimes they're four for something that's a little more involved. Right. But, you know, we, we're, we butcher, we take literally what they call a primal cut of the animal. The animal rib. cut of the animal. It's a good name. Let me tell you, I reaffirm yeah. my vegetarianism right now. I'm doing just fine. I got to be honest. <laughs> I'm not looking back. I'm only looking forward. I don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Because I, I, I will say that even with the chicken and meat and stuff that we've prepared on date night when my husband and I have gone, right. it's such a fun experience. Yeah. 
That and, you know, sometimes actually, veg- speaking of vegetarianism, we have people who come and say, "I'm a vegetarian, but I still want to take the class." So right. we can, and we have, we um, will edit or we'll change what's in the basket or change what's on our menu to suit them if cool. that's what they if that's what they need. So then I'm telling you right now that when we come for the competition, I would prefer there not be a hunk of chunk of meat sitting in there, but rather, you know, a bronzino or something that I could... Uh, you eat fish. I eat fish. Oh, okay. Now we're yeah. talking. Yeah. Or, or we'll get a giant carrot that you can butcher <laughs> down. Give me a huge slab <laughs> of tofu. Exactly. <laughs> just give me a head of kale. We'll do just fine. Yeah. Anyway, for people who want more information, they can go to koshertculinaryarts.com. They can also call 718 758 one three three nine. They're that's located, right? That's the right number. Yeah, that's they're it. located at fourteen oh seven Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn. And Jesse, yes. I heard you're going to be able to give something away to our listeners tonight. That's that's correct. What are we giving away? We are giving away a gift certificate to what we were talking about before, which is date night. Fantastic. So it's redeemable for either the couples competition or for the winter feast. That's a $175 value. Unbelievable. Good for a couple. That means two people. Right. <laughs> it doesn't have to be man and wife. It could be boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be friends. Right. Brothers, sisters, a couple of people. Right. Just right. two people coming together. Who like to cook or who, shout at each other. Either one, whatever works. Right. Right. Because that could be a married couple. It's totally fine. <laughs> or it could be siblings. That sounds like me and my siblings. That's right. Um, but that's a lot of fun. And for those people who haven't done it, um, I highly recommend it. Even if you don't win the gift certificate tonight on the Thursday Night Extravaganza, you should definitely sign up and check them out. KosherCulinaryArts.com yes. so you can... Enjoy their different programs. Jesse, yes. you better come back. I would love to come back. Okay. And you should come. I would definitely do a show out of the school. Oh, we're going to talk about this off the air. That okay. sounds great. You're Thanks, listen- Miriam. Totally my pleasure. You're listening to That's Life on the Nahum Siegel stream here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And I am joined just for a couple minutes by my fearless fearless intern, Yael Lassen. Yael is uh, up in Stern right now. And I mean up only because I'm on the Lower East Side and she's in Midtown. That makes her up. And I can't wait to get a, an update on how the Yachad Shabbaton went last weekend. Yeah, El, you there? Yeah, I am. How are you? Good. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Chag Sameach. Uh, uh, happy Coco Day. Woohoo! By the way, I, for those people who don't really appreciate just how much Yael does for me every single week, I would like to be Makir Tov. I want to say thank you to her on the air in front of everyone. Seriously, I could not do this show every single week without her. She is completely invaluable. So I want to thank you in front of everyone. Thank you. Thank you. And I enjoy the work and I enjoy the mentorship and guidance that oh, you give me. It's absolutely it's absolutely my pleasure. And um I should also let people know that the person who's the Shadchan for me and you was your dad. So yes, absolutely. Who is <laughs> yeah. a who is a frequent guest on the show. Right, who's a frequent guest and um and also definitely a um a supporter of the show and I appreciate that. So tell me how the Shabbaton went. The Shabbaton was awesome. It was really unbelievable. The, the Yaha members really enjoyed it, and the YU students really enjoyed For those that don't know, we had a Yaha Shabbaton this past week at YU and Stern. And, um, you know, normally in my division of Yaha, called Graham Yaha, we go to different communities, but we also try to get to different college campuses. Last night we just had a, we just had a Hanukkah party at NYU. Nice. We are having an upcoming Shabbaton at Penn, and we do different things in tri-state area universities, but... Obviously, for me, it was nice to come back to YU and Stern and bring the Shabbaton there, and not only because a lot of YU and Stern students are already involved with Yachai, but just because, you know, to use the cliche tagline, we are the enable and ennoble school. Oh, so that's, let was, me tell you, if President Joel was listening, and I, 
I, I'm thinking he's not listening right now. I'm sure he's pretty busy. But um, if he was listening right now, boy, would he be proud. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's really true. You definitely saw that over the Shabbaton, the way that the students interact with the Yacha members and the way Yacha members interact with the students. And, right. you know, also, you know, the nowhere but here, really, I think it was a phenomenal Shabbaton that can really only happen at YU and Stern. That is, I mean... Wow, that is an excellent, excellent, excellent um, advertisement. And I believe it wholeheartedly, by the way, as a Stern alum, I believe everything you're telling me. Is there anything that didn't go well? Anything that you could have done better or didn't done differently? Um, anything that didn't go well? Um, no, I think it was, I mean, I thought it went well. You know, from my standpoint, I ran it, so <laughs> I hope it went well. Um, but Listen, I mean, everybody plays Monday morning quarterback where you say, oh, I should have done this, I could have done that. You know, it is the worst feeling in the world to finish something. It's what Nahum refers to as like the 902 regret after he finishes a show and he says, oh, I should have. And I do it at, you know, a couple minutes after two. I'll say, oh, I was supposed to do this. So is there any, I mean, did you have that feeling when the Shabbaton was over? I didn't think, I think I was so exhausted. I didn't even notice <laughs> if there was anything. But um, I, I'm, I, I thought it was awesome. That's great. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I... Definitely because, you know, the other people enjoyed as well. So I gauged my success. How was the turnout? Um, it was great. We had about 200, 200 in total at the whole Shabbaton that's, at the Stern campus. That's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And where do the guys stay? Um, there's a hotel um, on 40th that every Shabbos, um, all boys who come down to Stern stay there for Shabbos. Oh, that's incredible. That's great. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. That is, that's phenomenal. Well, Kol HaKavod to you. And I'm Thank ha you, I'm Call to you for supporting Yachad. Oh, t are you kidding me? Totally my pleasure. I mean, Ellie Hagler has really uh, dominated the airwaves here at the Nachum Siegel Network for the last two and a half hours. I cannot imagine just how many shout-outs he has received in the last two and a half hours, <laughs> though when I listen to this on archive, I may be all, actually horrified. Yeah. It all comes together between, you know, the radio, Yachad, YU and Stern. Exactly. It's all, it's all good. Anyway, Yael, thanks for tuning in. Thanks Thank for checking in much. with me. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. I love that kid. I mean, she's really, she's phenomenal. She is phenomenal. This show could not happen without her. That was Yael Lassen, my fearless intern, giving us a Yachad update. Now we're going to turn back to the phones and actually go internationally. It is just around 930 in Israel right now, and I am joined. Where is Stuart there? Yes. Hello, Stuart. How are you? Very good. How are you? <laughs> Stuart Katz is representing Arevut, which is an organization that it's a non-for-profit organization established in 2002 that offers Jewish day schools, educators, synagogues, and community centers unique opportunities to empower and enrich youth by creating innovative and meaningful programs that make these core Jewish values a reality. Are you there? I'm here. All right, excellent. So you just brought, so explain to everyone, because that's, that's in short, I would say, part of your mission statement. But tell everyone in reality what you guys just finished doing. So we just came from Israel. We actually just came home today. Um, had six uh, tenth graders from throughout Israel. Stuart, uh, wherever you, wherever you are, if you're on a just because it's a little bit it's a little bit uh, fuzzy the connection. If you're on a cordless phone, if you could just stay near the base. Just so uh, no, it's not, it's not cordless actually. So oh. we'll try to speak up. Okay. Um, All right. Sorry about that. It's, it's okay. Um, came in from Israel with six teenagers, fifteen-year-old uh, tenth uh, graders from. Schools in Israel and came in to help with Sandy recovery efforts, and as well, they went around the 20 different schools in the New York area, speaking about life in Israel today as a teen. You know, all right, Stuart, I'm sorry, but the the connection's pretty bad. I'm just going to ask you if you could call back, yep. and uh, we'll put you back on. 
Okay, calling right back. All right, excellent. I would like to thank everybody for staying tuned in with us. Actually, Jesse is still here, so I'm gonna. Hi. <laughs> Jesse is still here, and I'm happy that you are because I want to ask you um, yes. another question because I I didn't have to wait till three o two to have my regret. Okay. I realized that there was something I wanted to ask you now. Super. Do you get a request and this because this is something I think that I had brought up with you once. You, okay. And and I'm not embarrassed. Do you get a request for like a mixology course? Like somebody who's going to mix different drinks and te- teach you how to do things like that? You know, I have. And I, I can't remember if it was exclusively from you. But <laughs> I, I think it's a great... I, I actually think it's a great idea. I would like to offer it. I, I would hope that there'd be enough people out there who would come to have the class. Right. Because that's the kind of thing we like to do. We like to do new things, things that are contemporary. We just have to have enough people who want to come. So I would love to do a mixology class if you know of any people who want to come or would be interested in that. By all means, I could see doing that on a Motsi Shabbos Saturday night kind of thing. With a designated driver. Of course. Yes, of course. Come come with somebody. But that is definitely, by the way, something I would love to be able to participate in. Okay. We're going to have that on the agenda. All right. See, this is how it works here. All right. We're going to try Stuart again. Stuart, you there? Uh, let's try it again. Can you hear me now? Um, we're gonna we're gonna try and be as patient as possible. It's just a little bit. We're we're miss we're missing a couple of words. Um, oh. and I don't want people to miss what you do because it's such a it's such a phenomenal organization and the project the program that you just ran and you just returned, uh, to Israel from today would it would be a shame to lack any details or to miss any details. So for people who don't know, you just finished running a almost like a mission, so to speak, where you brought groups of Israeli teens to New York to help in the post-Sandy recovery efforts. And then those teens went to different schools to speak about and inform others about about living in Israel. Correct. There we go. Okay, so we got, <laughs> I'm, happy we, I'm happy we got that out there. Now, all of your participants in the program, they're all Olim? Um, five of the six are Olim. The sixth one is born to two American parents and very uh, connected with life in America as well. Got it. So basically everyone are fluent English speakers. Fluent English speakers, absolutely. And the group ranged in ages from what to what? They were all 15, 15-year-olds, all 10th graders. That's, that's incredible. And how did they just decide to volunteer and do something like this? So basically what happened is I, right after the after Hurricane Sandy hit the New York area, I came in myself to volunteer for 10 days. Um, my daughter was begging me, she's 10th grade, was begging me to come in, and I suppose she couldn't come with me then. But if they still needed help uh, over Hanukkah, we would consider coming in. And uh, that, was, that was the initial thought, that I would bring her in to help wherever was needed. Um, however, after 10 days of being in New York for Sandy, the uh, Operation Pillar of Defense broke out in Israel. Right. So I came home, and uh, you know she kept reminding me that I told her she could go over Hanukkah. Oh. I said, and I said, well, you know, we're not going to leave when there's a war going on. Right. Um, but but then I said, you know what? Maybe what we'll do is uh, we'll go over and we'll be able to talk about Israel as well. So she got some friends together, and the word got out, and uh, that's how that's how it came about. And that's incredible, and 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 I read in uh, some of the information that each student, each each teen, paid for their own trip. Yeah, which was self funded. Every every child paid their own way. We did home hospitality in New York, um, rented a van, and went from place to place. That's incredible, and just so that people understand this, because I know what it's like to raise money either for Yachad or just for any other organization. But how does a teen go about at the age of fifteen? Go about raising money for a flight to New York. I mean, that's not cheap. They went to family and friends. 
Unbelievable. They must be really, really motivated. Tell me what the general, I mean, you're also looking at a particular group of kids who must have similar personalities. They actually have diverse personalities. They come from similar backgrounds. Um, they, they come from you know similar backgrounds in terms of being modern Orthodox, and uh, they go to all in Shiva. They're in five. They're in five different schools, just sort of them. Um, but uh, they, uh, you know, every every team has their own personality, and they each one found their own niche. Uh, what they felt most comfortable speaking about in the various schools. Um, they all worked as a team, though, in terms of when it came to clean up clean up efforts. Uh, and in talking about it, you know, and certainly speaking about it, they're all very proud of the Israelis. Um, they they couldn't wait to get home, actually. Oh, really? What we were doing. Um, yeah. That's incredible. What are some of the? Where were some of the um, areas that you guys were able to help while you were here? In in, in New York. Yes. Okay, so we were in Arvern and Far Rockaway, uh-huh. um, doing some house demolition there. Uh, we were doing some cleanup um, at homes along the boardwalk in, in, in Long Beach. And then uh, in addition to that, we volunteered in a kitchen um, at church in Brooklyn. Tell me, when you got to Long Beach, tell me what you thought, because I can tell you that Richie Hagler, who's the executive director of HALB, was on this morning with Nahum, and he said that when he first got to Long Beach, it looked like a war zone. Right. So I was in Long Beach first when I came in previously, um, and I couldn't agree with Ricky Moore. It looked like a war zone. Right. Uh, coming back three weeks later, it looked almost like paradise. <laughs> um, but no, it's still, you know, still under tremendous amount of damage. But I showed the kids the, uh, you know, the sand dunes. I don't know if you've been there, but the sand dunes uh, on the beach it looks like it's a cheap and the negative riot. Um, that's, that's how much sand is still there. Wow. And, uh, you know, devastation. We still saw a sign from the buildings uh, that had blown in the street. Right. Uh, but I'll share with you another thing we did in Long Beach. We went on, a, on another visit to Shabbat. We came to Long Beach. Um, we went to the Young Yellow Long Beach, which was holding their Hanukkah party. Mm. So we came and helped. Uh, we added Sarah to it. That's um, great. And, from, and we also went from there to the Young Yellow of Brighton Beach that was having a Hanukkah party to try to bring a little Israel spirit there as well. So... That's that's incredible. You know, I remember after Sandy hit, I um, got a bunch of emails from friends and family in Israel who were all checking on me. And at one point, then the war broke out. And then I said I posted something on Facebook to the equivalent of how ironic that the bombs are flying in Israel. And just a couple of days ago, everyone was worried just about my power. It seemed so remarkably insignificant in terms of what was going on in Israel to what I was going through in New York. And not to say that people were not and are not still going through real tragedy in New York and in different parts of New Jersey, because they are. But nevertheless, the um, juxtaposition of both sides really was quite striking because, frankly, at the end of the day, I mean, we suffered some damage, but not only do I have nothing to complain about, my biggest issue was we had no power. And that obviously stops a lot in going on in a household. But um, in comparison to what was going on in Israel, I mean, this my issues were child's play. Right. So that would ask the kids a lot, to, you know, during the various visits at many of the schools. Um, you know, what they, you know, how, you know, they worried, and the kids were more, more concerned and interested in hearing what people worried about Sandy. Right. And they said, "Well, what we worried about rockets over you." And the kids said, yeah, "In Israel, we're prepared for it. You weren't prepared for Sandy." 
That's um that my my I've I've mentioned this on the air before, but my aunt who lives in Jerusalem, who lives in Jerusalem, has mentioned before. It's not that they're stronger; it's just that they're wired differently. They're prepared right. differently, and so there's um again, you're right. There's this kind of different level of of preparedness, and I don't think anyone was prepared for Sandy, and I can tell you, Lipa wasn't prepared for Sandy. But um, you're right. I think it's a very interesting point, but it's more interesting coming out of the the mouths of 15 year olds. Right. Right. Were they struck by anything in particular while they were here? I think they were struck by quite a bit. Um, you know, they, I mean, again, each, each teen in their own way, but some of them, some of them were impressed by how much some of the kids knew about Israel, and some of them were shocked at how little they knew. Um, and it really depended on what area and what school we were in, uh, you know, where that took place. But, uh, the, you know, the lack of knowledge and the, the misconceptions about Israel and how Israelis live uh, was shocking. Ah. Um, and then, you know, there's some that come to Israel all the time that basically don't leave their hotel room in Yerushalayim. Right. And uh, how little they know is also surprising. That is, um, that is, how did this, how did this trip change the five teens that you brought with you? How did it change the five teens? Well, um, that's something they could probably answer better than I could, but um, they, uh, they... they I'm just afraid about passing off the phone. I know that you have two of the teens with you. I'm just afraid about passing off the phone because we're still having a little problem with the clarity of the call, and um, we're doing the best that we can on the technical end, on our end, to, to make the call as clear as possible. I'm just worried about shifting back and forth between voices. So, right, uh, no, I understand. Yeah, um, yeah, they they uh, they're looking at me as you as you ask that question. <laughs> um, again, I think it, first of all, it made them prouder to be Israeli. I mean, I, wow. I told the teens yesterday when we left that. Yeah, I should say I preface it by saying before we went, I said you guys aren't here to make, and we're not. Rep, you know, you're, you're here to tell the truth. If you feel if you felt you were scared, say you were scared. If you didn't feel you were scared, don't pretend you were scared. Right. Um, and, and that, and, and, and they did that, uh, uh, they did an unbelievable job with that. And I said, you guys have a real potential in, in diplomacy in the future <laughs> because they did, well, they did such an incredible job in, in, in bring, in showing their, in showing their love for Israel. So, um, um, but how it changed them, it might be too soon to say, um, they definitely, they definitely, uh, I don't want to say they came back with a stronger appreciation for Israel because they had that when they arrived, but um, I think now they have to share with their Israeli friends, you know, that this is, I mean, this is, this is important to do. Um, in fact, in the car on the way to the airport, they said, well, when's our next trip? Wow. Um, they, they wanted to plan one, you know, to come again. But what was interesting is they were, in, uh, they were, they were only looking at dates when they had vacation. Um, not one of them suggested missing school, <laughs> which, which was which I found, which I actually found interesting. Right. And at the same time, um, there were certain times, certain vacations that they weren't willing to miss. I said, you know, maybe we'd go for Yomatz Mode, right, uh, for Israel Independence Day, and that was not even an option. None no. of them are willing to be out of Israel at that time. No, and for um, and for good reason. Right. Well, neither was I, but <laughs> I wanted to see their reaction, and it, it wasn't even a consideration. Right. So it, you know, it said they they're willing to go in the summer, but of course there's no school then. Was there anybody? Um, was there anybody who's this was their first trip to the states? No, they've all been to the states uh, quite a bit. Well, I didn't know if when they were, I didn't know if that when they had made Aliyah, I know that they are Olim, but I didn't know 
if that when they had made Aliyah, they were so young that they had no memories of the states. I just I, I was sort right, of wondering yeah, if anybody was. Made, I mean, the, one of them made Aliyah when he was four months old. Oh, but he also frequents. You know, most of these guys go back to the states once or twice a year. Or, okay, because yeah. I was wondering if somebody was coming into New York and coming into Long Beach and thinking that this is what it looks like all the time. <laughs> that would no, be no, a false no, not impression. At all. They, they they know what America is. Right. Um, is there is there some kind of carryover for over program now that they're back in Israel in terms of um, how they are sharing their experiences with their Israeli friends? Well, we've been back about four hours now. Um, <laughs> I didn't so mean I, since, I didn't mean in the airport. I meant now that you're um, back. Do you have something planned? Are you having them? Are you having uh, planning? They're gonna, yeah, they're they're probably going to speak. You know, in their various schools and. Uh, you know, sh- certainly share with their friends, you know, what they, what they learned and what they saw. Did they pick, take pictures of anything in particular that struck them? Um, did they take pictures of anything in particular? I think everything struck them. Um, but anything in particular, I mean, I think the devastation was the most shocking. And those that uh, those had knew so little about Israel was another shock. I, I mean, wh- a couple of times they were asked if we live in tents. Oh, Hey, really? Yeah. By and, and it wasn't. We thought they were joking, but they were very serious. By other Jewish kids. Um. So in a lot of the public schools, we didn't know. You know, we didn't always know if the kids were Jewish or not. Right. Um. So we can't say whether they were Jewish or. Um. Did they? Well, there did, was at, there was at least one Jewish kid who did ask that question. Wow. Did they face any hostility? Anybody make a uh, a comment about Palestinian statehood or? No, not not at all. That's um, great. It was not a political trip, so right. any time there were questions asked about politics, they, um, you know, they're not equipped to answer them. Right, and so they, they begged off. And by the way, how did you organize this with the other schools, with the schools located here? I mean, that's a practical just, question I didn't even bother asking. Right, right. Just contacted a lot of the schools, people that I knew from the past, uh-huh. um, some cold calling, um, and people who knew people in the schools. Wow, that's, that's incredible. So, so when is the next trip? Um, well, it was really a one-time thing. Um, we'll see. That's what you think. You know, you're coming back here and doing something else. We'll, we'll see. Um, <laughs> what kind? Of, just, just so that people know, if they want to get more information about Ari Vut, how can they uh, be in touch with you? Um, well, they could contact Daniel Rothner okay. at, at, at Ari Vut, and uh, if you give me one second, I will give you his phone number. I think it's, I think the uh, the website is arivut.org, correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so people can always go to arivut.org and find out more information. And uh, Stuart, I, I know also that you guys have a Facebook page, correct? Right, there is a Facebook page. It's Masa Hashemesh, M-A-S-A. H-A-C-H-E-M-E-S-H. And so I hope that the kids will, and I... I yeah, ref- they update it all the time. Yeah, I hope they'll update it, and I hope they'll, they'll, they'll share their responses. And uh, definitely send me a friend. You should uh, friend me on Facebook. This way I can make sure to post it to all our listeners. Okay. Excellent. Thanks so much, Stuart Katz from Arevut. I appreciate you being on with me. Thanks so much. Get some sleep. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. You've been listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach. Thank you for making us part of your day. This ends my three-hour stint here on the air today. The first thing I need to do is thank Stan, who has been by my side for the last three hours. Stan, you've been great. Thank you. So have you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Anytime you want to do this, uh, you are welcome to be here at any point. Let's go through the lineup for the rest of the day so you know what to expect and, of course, what not to miss. We have a full afternoon of programming right after That's Life. It's something to talk about with Randy Wartelski. 
followed by an encore presentation of Rivka Abbey. At 5 p.m., the OU presents The Jewish Reaction with Rabbi Yaakov Glasser. Then immediately after that, the stunt show hosted this week by Shim Kramer. And as you know, what we say about the stunt show, you never know what you're going to get. The Thursday Night Extravaganza is supersized tonight from 7 to 9. Nachum will be on the stream. Well, he'll be on 620 from 7 to 8, but the entire show will be on the stream from 7 to 9. From 8 to 9, it is on the stream only. And it is from 8 to 9 that he will be giving away the gift certificate to the Center for Kosher Culinary Arts, the CKCA, as we call it for short, for date night plus four. Count them. One, two, three, four gift certificates for to Adorama, given to us by our friends at Adorama. We thank them again for their support, for all the cameras they've allowed us to give out this week and everything else they've showered our listeners with. They have been great. Then at 9 o'clock, you know what it is. At 9 o'clock, it's the Book of Life with Charlie Harari. Make sure to pull out your really, really, really bad Hanukkah presents you weren't able to re-gift to anyone else and tell Charlie all about them. Then at 10 o'clock, it is the it is an hour of Jewish soul with Charlie Burnout. That is how we clean up the day. It is a full lineup. Join Nachum tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as he hosts JM and the AM live here on the stream at NachumSiegel.com and JMandTheAM.org. Also, also you can listen to him on 91.1 FM. And, of course, use the app. Do not miss Saturday Night Seagull, hosted by our one and only of Rummy, live here on the stream at 10 p.m. And as you know, JM Sunday with Matis Weingast. Don't miss it. This Sunday is the last day of Hanukkah. You make sure to tune in. And um, on Mondays, Monday mornings, don't start your Mondays without Mayor, Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show at 9 a.m. Please like both of their Facebook pages if you have not already done so. This show will be rebroadcast. Sunday at 1 p.m. on NahumSiegel.com. I'd like to thank Jesse. Thanks, Miriam. <laughs> Q Jesse. I'd like to thank Jesse Blonder from the Center for Kosher Culinary Arts. You can find them at kosherculinaryarts.com. And to Stuart Cat from Ari Cats from Ari Vut. You can find them at Arivut.org. And as always, to Yael Lassen. I love her and I thank her for all that she does. I want to thank everyone who has sponsored me as I run with Team Yaha this January. Please, please, please go to teamyahad.com, click on the Miami Marathon, and find my name when you search the runners. Please, I, I appreciate all of your support in advance. Do anything that you can. I will make sure to give you a shout-out on the air. And don't forget your last-minute end-of-the-year charity donations. I leave you today with another track of the Yeshiva Boys Choir 5 CD, the Hanukkah CD. This is Mizmor Sheer. I'm really trying to get in as much Hanukkah music as possible because, frankly, I'm not sure Nachum's going to let me do this again next year. Anyway, that's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
Mizmar Shir, Hanukkah Sabayas, Habayas Lidovic.